Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. And today I have with me my co-host, Deborah Micus. Hello. And today we're interviewing Cecil Rhodes II, and he is the owner and operator, actually co-owner and operator of Nash and Proper Food Trucks. How are you doing today, Cecil? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. We're very excited about this. You're actually our food, first group of food trucks or food truck on the show, so this is very exciting. And while we have others lined up, um, I had to do yours first just as uh, because I love fried chicken, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I am... Uh, well, I'm, I feel so special. I'm very... I'm, 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 Pickled right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm ser- uh, we've been. We were in the. We did a bunch of fried chicken and pressure fried chicken at, as a company a number of years ago for about eight years. A lot of distribution and selling of the pressure fryers to convenience stores. So I've uh, mm-hmm. had my fair share, but I uh, I'm a huge fan. So tell us a little bit about yourself um, and your background. Oh uh, man, that's a. It's a long journey. Uh, so a little bit about myself. Uh, we operate out of Sacramento, California. Um, and, you know, much of my background is, uh, you know, fine dining. I started uh, back in 2000 cooking for uh, a restaurant in downtown Sacramento. Uh, one, of the, one of the top restaurants back then uh, didn't have any formal training. Uh, just uh, had a girlfriend whose dad owned a restaurant and he knew that I liked to cook. And uh, one of his uh, line cooks called out one day or never showed up again. And he was like, Hey, you know, why don't you come in for a couple nights and see if you like cooking uh, in a kitchen, a uh, professional kitchen environment. So uh, as soon as I walked in and got on the line and, you know, felt the heat, uh, just fell in love <laughs> with it. Uh, about four years later, um, kind of worked my way up to sous chef. And I'm saying that in quotations because, you know, I didn't know what anything was. Uh, so I ended up going to uh, CCA out in San Francisco and uh, getting formal training there. Uh, did their 18 uh, month program, uh, it's 15 months. And then you go on a three-month externship uh, while I was down there. Uh, worked at, at Cliff House out on that Sutro Beach. Uh, did at Aqua Boulevard. Uh, worked at Fog City Diner. Um, uh, Nordstrom's Bistro. Uh, then ended up coming back to Sacramento to uh, get back near family. And just to uh, see, see what's Sacramento. I had to offer, uh, got a head, head chef gig, didn't know what I was doing, so young and so green and, you know, failed and <laughs> ended up uh, getting a, a job just going back down to Lion Cook and, uh, at a place called Crush 29 and worked my way up again. And that's where I got the, the uh, training from uh, chefs that have done it you know, for real, like they're professional chefs and they kind of guided me and, and, you know, uh, took me from, you know, being a line cook to a supervisor, to a sous chef, to executive sous. And, um, just, and from, from there, I ended up, uh, going to Bella Brew Cafe, uh, 
and becoming their executive chef there. Um, I was at uh, Bella Brew for about four or five years and uh, just kind of, you know, hit the mark. You know, at that time I was cooking for uh, probably 15 years that time. So um, I was at the crossroad of like, do I go and be an executive chef somewhere else and just keep, you know, working my way up? And, you know, uh, but at that time I was like, you know, I think I want to do my own food because Bella Brew, they're kind of, uh, uh, they did like more Mediterranean food. And I kind of to get back to my roots, uh, you know, you know, I was kind of, you know, on special to stuff. I'd do like more uh, elevated Southern food. And uh, it was more, they, they didn't want that. Uh, the customers loved it, but they just didn't want it. They were like, this is not what we are. This is not what we stand for. And so um, I just ended up uh, pretty much leaving and uh, looking for a restaurant and then, when I went looking for restaurants, I was like, well, there's no way I have this much money to run a restaurant. And at that time, uh, food trucks in Sacramento were really booming. And I was like the talk of the town. I've never been to like a gourmet food truck. Uh, I was just used to, you know, they, they call them roach coaches, uh, <laughs> you know, and I, I didn't, I didn't know the difference, but I just heard like, you know, people were doing really good food, you know, uh, really high level chefs are, are picking up these food trucks and going and, and doing their thing on food trucks. So uh, I got with uh, my dad and my stepmom. I said, hey, hey, I think I can really do this. And, uh, you know, if, if you guys could back me, uh, I'll show you what I can do. Um, so we got together, we bought a food truck, um, and that was Cecil's Taste. And that opened up in uh, 2014. Uh, we were specializing in smoked pork belly. Uh, so we did like uh, pork belly tacos. Uh, we did uh, like a loaded fry with smoked pork belly. We had sandwiches. And then we had gourmet burgers as well. And we were doing everything off the truck. Everything was fresh made. Um, you know, and just just go, you know, like for the next three years, a lot of ups and downs, uh, a lot of, you know, talking to my wife, like, is this really for me? Like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, I go get a, uh, you know, a job as a catering chef where I just sit in the office, you know, <laughs> like, it, it was, it was tough. Um, but um, I started hearing about Nashville hot, hot chicken, like, in my journey, and I was always, like, playing around. I've been playing around with fried chicken. I was 12 years old. Uh, it was something that, you know, my grandmother made and cast iron skillet. And, you know, I still remember the smell and, you know, the, the grease and, you know, the, the taste of, like, how juicy your fried chicken was. And I always wanted to mimic that. I knew I could never get her flavor, but I knew that I could get, you know, close or, or you know, like, do my own little spin. And that's kind of how my food is. Uh, it's, it's some stuff that I grew up on and it's kind of put in my twist on it. Uh, uh, but the Nashville, uh, hot chicken, I started hearing about it a lot. And I started seeing it on food network on cooking channel. And I was like, what is this stuff? And then, um, I saw it pop up at, uh, 
I don't know if I could say this, but it was at KFC. So <laughs> that's the closest place I knew that had Nashville hot chicken. So I'm like, all right, let me go try one of this chicken. I go there and I taste it. I'm like, what? This is horrible. Like, why do people <laughs> like this? And so, and so I started to, uh, I, I started reading up on it and, and getting the history about, you know, how it came about and, you know, what, what it really means. And are looking for cookbooks that have recipes in it. So I started formulating my own recipe for hot chicken. And um, for, oh man, we're cooking hot chicken for about two years. It's me and my truck manager at the time were just messing with recipes. And uh, I was uh, dealing with like different spice levels and things like that. And we had a party that requested the hot chicken one day and we just did it. And we looked at each other and we're like, this is it. You know, this is <laughs> really, it. really good. And yeah. And as a chef, like you, you think, you know, it's good to you. But then when the customers are like, this is the best thing I've ever had, um, you know, you can't ignore that. You know, I think all of my food is good, but, you know, I, you know, everybody doesn't think the same way. <laughs> but um, so we started, uh, we started with the sandwich on Cecil's Taste. Uh, we call it the sandwich and it has a, a jalapeno slaw. Um, it has a gallo sauce, which is a spicy aioli with pickles. And then uh, we had the Nashville hot chicken. Uh, uh, boneless thigh on a brioche bun and we were selling 300 pounds a week along <laughs> with my smoked pork belly with the gourmet burgers with the fries and I, my truck manager he's always talking about oh I want to do my own thing I want to do my own thing and I told him I was like hey man like I think this hot chicken we could do something with just hot chicken itself so um, we moved to our current commissary right now where we park uh, maybe uh, a year ago. And we're sitting there and we're prepping. And I was always, I always saw this trailer just sitting there and it never went out. And I was like, you know what? A trailer would be great for this, you know, hot chicken concept that I have. And I saw the lady that owned it one day and, as soon as I, you know, as soon as I saw her, I like kind of hop out. I probably scared her because I jumped out <laughs> of my truck and was like, hey, what are you doing with this trailer? And she was like, oh, you know, she had some personal stuff that she was dealing with. So, I, you know, I, I pitched it to her about what I want to do. And, you know, can I just rent it for, you know, the rest of the year? And this was last June um, when we took over the trailer and, you know, just, just renting number monthly and I was like you know at the end of the year we'll circle back and um, you know see where we are you know if it doesn't work it doesn't work and you can have a trailer back and she agreed to it and uh, the last December we bought it outright with the money that we made on the truck <laughs> well, that uh, works out <laughs> you know so <laughs> so so pretty much um yeah that that's my story uh, so now you have two trucks long-winded yeah i had two trucks so i had cecil's taste and i have uh the national proper 
But um, Cecil's taste will be turned into a Nash and Proper just as of, you know, all the, you know, all all the backing that we've been getting from Sacramento and you know, we're, we're getting a lot of bookings with the Nash and Proper. Cecil's taste will still be doing a uh, catering because you know, we have an extensive like catering menu and kinds of uh, cuisine you can get off of there and menus and things like that. But uh, for the day-to-day trailer truck uh, going out, we're, we're just going to do national proper. Uh, we're also going to be doing a tent set up at the farmer's markets this year. So, yeah, we got three years with the national proper. Yeah, just within seven months here. So how do you figure that out? I mean, I know that trucks move around all the time. So one, how do people find you? It will start with that one. Like if someone wants to come try your food, how do they know where your truck's going to be? Uh, Instagram. We're, we're pretty live on uh, Instagram. Uh, we have our weekly schedule on there. Um, that's our, our website, nationprop.com. Um, uh, all of our social media is Nash and Proper at Nash and Proper. So uh, usually Instagram goes up every week, and that's how you find us. Okay, so weekly um, they can go on social media. They can find out where to find you. And then in terms yeah, of Facebook, you... Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. How do people... Mm-hmm. Or how do you figure out where you're going to go? How do you know... Like, do you have to sign up? Is Do they pick, you know, like, so they don't have duplicate trucks? Or how do you find the venues to go park at and serve at? It's, it's, a, it's a little bit of both. Um, I get a lot of inquiries about uh, Nash and Proper, and that was kind of why I, you know, was like, okay, let me just change Cecil's Taste into a Nash and Proper. Because uh, Cecil's Taste, I get an inquiry a day um about you know hey can you come out but nash and proper is all day you know hey can we have you here can we have you there and um instead of you know just having this one unit you know trying to do everything i was just like okay let me just change this in there and just so everybody can you know have a taste of what we have um but it's, it's, we're not just in sacramento either there's a lot of counties around here so we do Yellow County, we do Placer County, uh, we do El Dorado County, uh, we have the Bay Area is 80 minutes away, we have Amador County, we have San Francisco, um, Contra Costa, so it's, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And we're the only hot food truck and trailer, or hot chicken trailer, like, in all these counties, you know, so... We never, we haven't ran into, oh, well, we're already, do, we already have hot chicken. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, the gourmet burger, there's, you know, there's a lot of burger trucks. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of taco trucks. So, you know, that was kind of my thinking too. Like there's not even a lot of fried chicken trucks out here. I don't think there's any. We're the only one. There's a lot of hot wing trucks, but, you know, people that do different kinds of fried chicken, there there's just not any in oh man uh, i think the next one is probably in uh oakland and they're called hot bird uh so that's that's kind of my thinking behind everything you know because i told my truck manager i was like if we don't do it somebody else will you know <laughs> and true. that's kind of 
that that was kind of when he was like, okay, I'm on board, you know? <laughs> so can you guys go and bring your trailer basically anywhere or do you need special permission to be there or do they have set places yeah, like, yeah, we're going to set you guys up and 10 trucks can come here? No, we don't have, uh, I know some places have pods where you can just go and serve food. Uh, we have to be permitted. Um, there's some events where, you know, the, uh, the promoter will call you and be like, hey, you know, I want your truck out here. Um, we can't just go and set up anywhere in Sacramento. Um, that's one thing that um, a lot of us food trucks are trying to change. Um, you know, uh, they're, they're getting a little bit more lenient where you can go and just as long as you feed the meter, you can stay there. Um, but you can't just go and park on a corner in Sacramento. Um, you have to have either a promoter or you got to be on private property and have permission from somebody. Um, we, we have to have restroom verifications. We have to have, uh, we have to submit with Sacramento County where we'll be at on what days. So, you know, they can come inspect when they want to. Um, and that's before you get your permit. You just can't go and, you know, <laughs> you can, <laughs> but it'd be illegal. But uh, yeah, Sacramento was, uh, was pretty strict on uh, food trucks. So uh, I want a few comments that I have. I'm, Deborah's all business over there. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be the comic relief over here. But um but uh, that KFC uh, Nashville hot sandwich, I actually had one the other day. It, 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 I agree, it was okay. It wasn't what we had when Deborah and I were in Nashville a few months ago. But the funny thing is, mm-hmm. is you know, Deborah and I, she she, she likes Taco Bell for when we're we're on the road sometimes <laughs> as a quick meal, and they did have it. And I yeah. am, and I was attracted. To, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have Taco Bell, but I'm also going to have KFC Nashville hot sandwich because I love the fried chicken. Nashville hot, so I get why people are attracted to it. And then I'm I'm going to make mm-hmm. a comparison on the truck because it reminds me of a story I recently heard, which is um, how you had one truck, but because it was it's getting overbooked, you had to ju- you decided to get another truck to fill those commitments that you had to turn down. And I'm pretty sure that mm-hmm. that's the way In Sync was started because the Backstreet Boys were so overcommitted <laughs> that they needed another band, so they so they created In Sync. So, so Cecil, I bet no one's ever compared the, you to the, those bands before, right? <laughs> oh no, you know if I could get that kind of popularity, small four. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> You're like, I'll take it. Take it. <laughs> so you mentioned a wife. Is she involved in all of this too? She <laughs> she was involved the first year, um, and you know she was pregnant with our baby girl, and you know she was she was all about it. But then we got busier, and then she was like, "All right, you got it. You know, get a staff. And, you know, <laughs> right. like, you, know, go, you, you do your thing now, you know, she, but she was there. She, you know, she's my backbone. Um, she, you know, she, she works a full-time job for the state. She comes home, she takes care of the house still and lets me go out and, uh, you know, grind it out and, you know, uh, do, do what I, what I love and what I'm passionate about. Um, I, I, I couldn't do it without her. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Like, she, she's an amazing woman. Well, that's great that you have a great partner in the whole thing. And so, you know, I, mm-hmm. I'm always curious because a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs get into 
owning their companies because they have a passion for something. But the reality is, as entrepreneurs, we kind of have to do everything. We wear all different hats. And so, one, do you still get to do the parts that you love? And two, what are the things you love the most? And what are the things that like you kind of dread doing? And are you able to pass those off? Or you still feel the need that you need to handle those as well? Well, that's already kind of cut out there. Um, so what I was asking is, you know, we tend to, as entrepreneurs, have to wear lots of hats. So one, do you get to mm-hmm. do the things that you still love to do and that got you into starting the business? And two is the things mm-hmm. that are not really your favorite parts. Are you able to pass those off and have employees to help you with it? Or you still feel the need that you have to do those? Um, I'm kind of, uh, and now since I have Jake and he's co-owner and, you know, he's a great partner. We've been working together for, you know, over 10 years. So he kind of knows what I'm looking for. Uh, uh, when I first started, I, I couldn't give anything up. I was on the truck every day. I was cooking. I was prepping. I was cleaning. I was, you know, doing the books. I was doing everything because <laughs> I couldn't give it up. Um, but now that, you know, I have a family, um, you know, I, I, I want to be there. You know, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to miss out on things that are, that, that I regret later in life. Agree. You know, I even I even tell Jake the same thing because he's kind of you know taking that role of I need the beer and we have a great team. You know, we have like executive chefs like that work in the trailer and the truck for us. Um, they they ran restaurants, and I'm like, dude, like these guys could take care of that the little stuff. You know, of course, we're, you know, we're big picture. I still do all of our spices. I still brine a chicken. But, you know, I I still am able to be home, you know, by 6, 7 o'clock to, you know, spend some time with the family um, and, you know, just just do things that I, I couldn't do years ago or even before that. So, um yeah, sorry about these long-winded answers, but <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much, you know, that's that's what I'm doing now. You know, um, yeah, I, I try to I try to give, you know, I, I try to give some of the, the the burden off to other people. It's great that your wife is so supportive. I think uh, being a food entrepreneur or entrepreneur in general, that having that support, we talk about it a lot on this show is so mm-hmm. vital to, to success or growing or in the understanding of mm-hmm. time that's needed. But, you know, the other thing that you said that I want to touch on on the show is that there is balance there because if you do commit too much, one, you do miss out on the rest of your life and the whole reason you're being an entrepreneur, which is to provide for your family and those around you. But the second mm-hmm. part is is also burning out. And if you commit so much time to something, you're – you're going to burn yourself out. So, you know, forcefully walking away a little bit here and there and putting your mind on something else. I know my dad is, um, one of the things he does is he goes plays pool every Monday and Thursday just to get out of Mm -hmm. his own head. Uh, him and my mom Mm -hmm. go and my sister and that's time they spend together. But it's important because I know that when I, I can get obsessive myself 
and I can go mm-hmm. and I've got to make, I've got to be there for everything. And I got to be involved in every phone call and I've got to be involved in every email and it gets exhausting and it gets tiring. And it also leads to unnecessary stress that doesn't help build the business and doesn't do anyone any favors when I'm on them, micromanaging them every second. So it's, um, and people like freedom. It sounds like Jake, I believe his last name's bombard. Is that correct? Uh, your yeah. business partner. Mm-hmm. And it sounds mm-hmm. like he's really taken on a role and partners are good when you guys have equal work ethic for sure. And so mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about how your relationship works with him. Um, you've talked about how he runs a truck, but how did you decide that he was the right partner and uh, what qualities in him made him the right partner for you? Well, you know, uh, when I met Jake, he was our uh, pastry chef at Crest 29. And he, we went to the same uh, culinary school. I think he graduated a year before me. But um, we always had like a connection um, just throughout the years. And he went his own way, went my own way. And when I called him because I was, you know, Cecil's taste was growing and he was the first person I called and I was like, you know what, Jake, I know it's not the most glamorous or, (laughs) you know, it's not fine dining, but I I really need you, man. You know, I know that you, you know, you've always listened and you, you get it, you know, like you, you get what hard work is. Uh, uh, and he, he came aboard and he never, he never gets frustrated. He, he's more even killed than I am. Um, and he, you know, he, he's learning as it goes on the own part, but I just know that he believes in the idea of what we have going on. Um, I don't know if I told but he does all of our social media. Um, he 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 came to me when we're opening. He was like, you know what? I just want to do the social media, and I, I because I want to build content and I want to you know see where it goes. And I just want to kind of make my own thing. And, and I'm horrible with social media. I was like, you go right ahead, buddy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's a great divide when he so, wants it and you don't. You're like perfect. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, you go right ahead. And he built something. Is what he's doing on social media is amazing. And um, the when he was uh, talking to me about um, leaving and doing his own concept, um, I was like, well, why don't we do something together? You know. And I don't know if he was just over me at the time, or you know, <laughs> like I, I, he he never, you know, like every time I'd be like, hey, you know, like let's just do something together. He's always like, oh yeah, you know. And, and when the when the chicken thing came about, um, I think he knew just like I, I knew that this could be something big. Um, this would be as you know as chefs. Um, for the last like, 18, 19 years, I've been doing it. I've never seen the end of the road. You know, like there's never been any, um, you know, there, there, 
ever been nothing where I'm like, all right, this is my this is my out. I could <laughs> actually retire on it until National Property came about. And I think we we're both trying to, you know, get this concept uh, uh, off the ground and keep it moving and keep the momentum going, uh, keeping it delicious, uh, keep it, you know, as consistent as we can. Um, and that's we've been with this, you know, since the beginning, we've been holding it like a, uh, almost like a golden egg where, you know, we have to be very consistent. We have to keep it, you know, the best thing. And, you know, social media has to be up to date. Um, we have to keep it, you know, it's a precious thing, you know, when you've been working so hard for so many hours a week for so long, and you finally got to where you could be that you believe in too. Right. You know, right. sometimes people are just like, Oh, I'm just going to throw this out because people, people like it. There's a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've been to, you know, restaurants and, you know, like people go there just because, you know, um, and not to, not to bash them, but Bella Brew, uh, where I was a, you know, executive chef at, you know, People just went there because it was in a nice neighborhood and people didn't cook, you know? <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> I still get some of their patrons coming up to the truck and like, you know, Bella Brew's so horrible since you left, but still go because it's just around the corner. It's easy. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, you guys um, have built yeah, a great brand and exactly. a quality product and you're really proud of it. And, mm -hmm. you know, so as you guys look towards the future, yeah. you know, what, do you have growth goals for it or like, how do you envision the future looking for you guys? Um, I, I think right now we, you know, want to, uh, I told Jake, let's go ahead and, you know, get us this year. Um, and see where we are past this year because going from a you know 16 foot trailer to you know a truck and a tent setup is going to be all hands on deck yeah um when i when we when we first sat down at the table uh we we're coming up with the concept and laying it out you know uh i told jake i could see this in every uh every city in america and i i, I still do it's it's a it's a great concept. It's good food. Yeah. Um, it's something that you know everybody everybody loves fried chicken. You know you're crazy. You know even if you know uh, you you've had you have you have that memory of fried chicken, right? But doing the Nashville style, still a little twist. But you can still get you know like we we call it country or southern where it doesn't have any heat on it. Um, but you still have a memory of fried chicken of some kind of way, <laughs> but so um, we're we're doing it. We're we're doing it right. So um, for the short term, let's get past this year for the long long term franchising and you know uh, getting this in every city in America. I've always had somebody come up to me um, and say they want to take they want to take our idea and take it to Mexico. Well, that's awesome. So when you think about franchising, is that all about coming up with systems so you make sure you maintain the quality and distribution mm -hmm. points? And exactly. So is that you'll that, take kind of this 
this year is to figure out how to maintain that consistency for the units you have now and then figure out how to multiply it? Is I mean, is that the process or you're still looking into what that process is? Yeah. Uh, it, it, I'm still looking into it. What I have to do is I have to get um, all the recipes down to a T because um, I I, I love I love what we do and the spice and you know like I'm a little logged up still because I was just mixing all the spices before we got on the phone. It was probably probably not the best <laughs> decision before getting on a uh, a, a long uh, podcast here, but I, I had to do it. But it's just getting the right um, the right measurements and you know making sure it's costed out right and. You know, that's that's pretty much what I do nowadays. Uh, I finally got our brine down and uh, uh, Matt took over the brining of the chicken. Uh, start, he started Monday uh, because that recipe was down. But the spices, I, I'm still trying to get, you know, get the get the right uh, brand and uh, source it out correctly and uh, do, you know, just, just still trying to get there. Uh, I'm still working project on this uh, pro- in a working process on the <clears throat> excuse me on the um, on the spice level, but we are coming out with two two more spice levels, a little bit more hotter this year because mm. people don't think it's hot enough. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> it's funny. Sure. There's people who like spicy and there's people who don't. <laughs> and the people who like it hot, they like yeah. it hot, and the people who don't really don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I mean, your social media is amazing. So I definitely want to give credit to that. I, the following and the likes and in the photographs and the content, you know, I think that's been amazing. So props there for sure. I just wanted to touch upon that since we talked about it a little bit. The other thing I want to ask is how did you come up with your name and logo? Because I think your logo is incredible with the chicken breathing fire. And uh, anyone who wants to mm-hmm. look at it in the audience, that's at Nash and Proper on both Facebook and uh, Instagram. And mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit about that. Um, so much. Uh, so Jake came up with the he came to me and he was like, well, what about um, he came up with Nashville Proper. And I was like, uh, you know, that's that's kind of it's kind of long, you know, it's kind of long to put on a side of a truck Nashville proper. And then he was like, all right, let's just cut it down to Nash proper. And I was like, oh, cool, yeah, Nash proper. And he kept correcting me. He's like, no, just Nash proper. And I was like, yeah, Nash proper. And he's like, whatever, we're just gonna call it Nash proper. Because <laughs> you Close keep enough. saying it, so that's that's pretty much how we came up with the name and uh, the design. I just um, I just envision uh, a chicken breathing fire, pretty much. <laughs> and I went to our design guy, and I was like, I you know I want this chicken, but I want the mouth like I want the mouth open, and I want the flames coming out. And he's like, all right. So he, he came back with it had to be about 30 different logos. And, there, you know, like it was one with the chicken with the mouth, like fully gaped. And, you know, there's ones with, you know, like the chicken whistling and, you know, whistling fire. And, you know, just me and Jake kind of just went through it. And, 
just, you know, just kind of went with the one that just kept, uh, it was number 11. I remember. Number 11. Kept saying, yeah. Lucky ones. Double one. ones. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Justin just yeah. pulled it up for me to see. I love it. Mm-hmm. And the color palette's awesome too. I mean, the graphics he yeah. put behind it are, are excellent. It's amazing. Would make mm-hmm. for a nice T-shirt as well. Do you guys? Oh yeah, we have uh, we we have T-shirts. We're still uh, we're we're trying to because a lot of people uh, direct message us and they want the you know they want our T-shirts. So we we're trying to come up with different designs and stuff uh, where you know people can you know, uh, have some of the t-shirts that we wear already. Um, it, but they're expensive. So if anybody out there in podcast land, uh, has some, uh, <laughs> has some good prices <laughs> on t-shirts, give me a call. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and when you guys start offering t-shirts, will you do that through, through your website and stuff, or will you actually sell them off the trucks? Uh, we're just going to sell them off the truck for right now. Uh, um, yeah, like we, we've already had a few people come through and grab some shirts. Uh, we, we just bought a, you know, a whole case of them and people, uh, and we have another design coming out, out, uh, this next month. So, yeah. They're just gobbling it, yeah, them it's up. It's hard to, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to get them designed, you know, <laughs> you know, to get, to get somebody to, you know, uh, because you know stuff like in a timely fashion, and some people just don't, don't uh, they don't have that get up and go like other people. So. That's awesome. <laughs> it's it's too bad you aren't here in the studio because Deborah is making herself laugh at her, how she said people are gobbling it up like it's a poultry thing over here. <laughs> I, I occasionally, you know, find myself to be very funny. If you know Deborah, her, yeah. one of her favorite memes is uh, Kermit the Frog laying on. Uh, on the ground with a gas, uh, oxygen mask in a hospital, and it says, I crack myself up, or whatever, or something like that, and he needs oxygen. <laughs> She'll make herself laugh all day long. It's okay. I'm easily entertained over here. And um, So I love the story, and actually, it's interesting. A lot of the entrepreneurs we're talking to, they either have no food background whatsoever, or they have experience in fine dining, no matter where they end up as an entrepreneur, it seems that those two paths, either you're not uh, scorned by the normal food world and you just come in ignorant and sort of, you know, go for it because it's a family recipe or there's some formal training there where really an understanding of food and how it goes together, uh, which I thought was interesting because you touched upon that as well with both you and Jake. So, I, I wanted to mm-hmm. point that out to the audience or entrepreneurs that are out there that are trying to get in the food world. It seems like if you're really wanting to be a chef or a, a person that launches a product, it seems like getting experience in fine dining is, is a necessity. Do you feel that that taught you a lot about your products and how you put together your menu? Uh, yes, it is. Um, just to touch on that, at, um, so when I got out of culinary school I always told people my only regret was going to culinary school <laughs> and you know like it's just so much money you know it's so much money and you know you're you're in there with a lot of people that you know don't take it seriously and I was 24 when I went so I was on my own 
So, you know, you're in there with 18 year olds that just don't take it seriously. And you're kind of, you know, just going through the motions. And I was already in a kitchen, you know, for four years before I went. So, um, but now that I'm, you know, older and I look back, it, I, now I can go back and, you know, pull up, you know, my margin sheets and things like that, that, you know, I kind of for granted when I was in culinary school. So, or just like a recipe, I still got my, you know, I still got my, uh, my, my Gislin, you know, uh, cookbook here. And, you know, I go back just to, you know, all right, let me just go back to the basics. Um, so that's something that I changed my mind on with, uh, you know, cooking, but, but, I'll, I get so many calls from, you know, either a family member or somebody's kid that wants to get into cooking. And what I tell them is go and work at a restaurant, you know, just go in, work as a dishwasher, you know, work as a busser, you know, and get your, you know, see if, if you like it, because those are the, the two most grueling jobs, you know, and that's something that, I still have to do. I still have to clean. I still have to wash dishes. You know, um, but I think if you're going to be in this industry, you have to work in a restaurant before you even go to culinary school. Just go, you know, knock on the back door. Be like, hey, can I work? You know, can I work as a dishwasher? Can I just get in here and, and you know, and find my way? And, you know, you go pretty soon. I knew exactly. I knew as soon as I got on, on the line at the you know at the kitchen that I worked at my first kitchen job, I knew as soon as I walked in there and started cooking, I was like, I could do this. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, and uh, you'll know. (laughs) (laughs) You will know. (laughs) And it's interesting you say that. I mean, I did a business degree undergraduate at Dickinson College in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. I'll give the Red Devils a shout out here. But it's, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I went through school. I didn't, I mean, I did average, I, you would say. And, um, but the thing was, is when I got out of school and I got into a couple different jobs in finance and whatever, none of it really stuck. It wasn't until I was between jobs and my father was like, oh, I have something you can do in the meantime. I need you to go to the kitchen or commissary in Roanoke and count food carts and look at food costs for me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that seems so mundane. Why am I going to do that? But mm-hmm. I had grown up mm-hmm. around food, and my dad had always been in the food world. And um, I had taken an interest to food and farming and stuff like that always. And it just kind of stuck. And I learned more, you know, starting to work in that area and then starting to work for myself than I ever did in undergraduate for sure. Um, it definitely gave a foundation, but it's nothing like real life experience. And then there's nothing like a real life experience of starting your own business. But I think you need to find that foundation for sure, especially in food. And for me, I was doing mm-hmm. a menial job in what my, in my opinion back then. Now I understand the importance of why he wanted me to start counting food and costing food and carts and, analyzing waste mm-hmm. and understanding that, you know, raw food isn't the same way it is cooked food. And how do you calculate that mm-hmm. when pricing it and what's food waste and how do you minimize it and reuse food? Mm-hmm. And there was all these things I did that I found thought was mundane. Then it was almost like what Mr. Miyagi does to 
uh, Danielson. <laughs> it's like you repeat the same thing over and over again until it becomes a habit. But I then went back and did my MBA at the University of North Carolina, the one MBA program, and because I wanted to to, to see what was out there, and I thought I was stuck in the food world. And what I found was that the experience, I, I don't care what it was, whether it was I was waiting tables or back in the food world or whatever job I had, those jobs like food, you get customer service. You under, you, when you're a food entrepreneur, you understand food and waste. You understand how to deal with employees. You understand how to do marketing and advertising. You understand how to control your costs and you know do the accounting whether you want to or not and and deal with legal stuff or or logistics, depending on what it is. And that experience isn't like any degree that I know of. There's no degree out there that's like life. And um, we we said we did a Rocky Balboa episode a couple weeks ago, but it was like nothing hits harder than life. And that's the truth. I mean, there's no experience mm-hmm. that the hard knocks of life teach you more than you could ever learn in a book or you know, in a classroom or, or from a professor. And that's not saying education isn't important. It's just, you know, I feel that in food, you really need to go out there and experience it and get an understanding for it and learn um, in order to do it. So sort of my tangent yeah. there. But um, so there's no be- guidebook for this. Yeah, you know? no, no. <laughs> you know, like you can, you can ask, uh, I guess so many people, that you know call me or uh dm me and hey i want to get into the food truck industry like where do i start like don't (laughs) (laughs) it's tough you know like um i i got into it and you know there's no there's no you know like what am i gonna do you know i have this food truck and you know uh you know, I got his had to do it, you know, like I, you know, I, I got, I called like a few people and, you know, asked them like, Hey, how do I turn on the stove? Kind of you know, like I have to actually, you know, go up to people and be like, Hey, how do I turn on the propane? Like, you know, we, I've been there. We, <laughs> we, uh, we ran around the uh, East coast. Cause we were doing fried chicken and we would, we had the pressure fires and we had a, we called it the chicken chariot, the trailer. And I can't tell you mm-hmm. how many times I would, I couldn't figure out the generator or it would get so <laughs> cold that I didn't realize the propane wouldn't work properly. And I had to warm up the trailer mm-hmm. with heaters to get the propane to work properly and stuff mm-hmm. that I should have known being in the food business for 10 plus years when we were going around doing this. And mm-hmm. you just learn it on the fly. And of course there's a panic because you're like, okay, like we're doing a demo for a grocery store, a demo for a convenience store chain. What is happening right now? But you learn things mm-hmm. that you just, and it's amazing. And I think anyone who wants to do their own food business, you got to be willing to solve problems and put out fires every day. I mean, oh, and, yeah. and, and, and be able to move on quickly from it and, you know, one of the things that I think is a definite quality is, and we've talked about this before on the show again, but it's like, it's not finding the snake. It's figuring out how to kill the snake right away and move forward. And even if it's not the right mm-hmm. one way, you know, at least it's done and you can figure out how to do it better later uh, when you have time to reflect on it. But mm-hmm. I think that's huge. And, um, you know, uh, 
uh, just I'm having flashbacks of the the chicken chariot days. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my goodness! Uh, funny, yeah, fun, uh, funny yeah, story you know, I'll tell you. A mechanic, my... you become, you know, like you, you yeah. gotta, you know, know how to, you know, change tires on this big beast, and you gotta do oil changes. You gotta <laughs> yeah. make sure, yeah, your generator, like maybe you know, like the fuel uh nozzle that it like gets pushed down in there and how do i push it back up and you know uh the refrigerator does as it works so you gotta go get dry ice uh, you got an inspector coming and you know that county doesn't let you have dry ice and you know how do you you know how do you maneuver yep and that's that's what food is is you know how to maneuver in this world of, you know, cause it's not, it's not a restaurant, you know, like I was in restaurants for 15 years before I got a food truck and I thought I was just going to pick up and get into this food truck and everything. And, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to do everything all of my new, you know, and then you, you get into this, you know, and people that are waiting in food truck lines, and you know, sometimes they just don't care. They want their food and they'll stare at you down until you get your, <laughs> your food. And in restaurants, you don't have people just staring at you the back of your head. It's like a laser beam, you know, <laughs> like yeah. they're waiting for their food. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, it was a different beast. You know, it, it is a different beast. And, you know, I, I have some of the, you know, some top chefs like, hey, you know, you're doing really good in the, you know, in the food truck, I should get one. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah you'll see. Yeah. No, I know. It's like a, I've got, I've got a great story for you. I was um, I was with a um, one of the employees that worked for me. He was a sales guy, and we had to do this grocery store um, demonstration of these fryers on the chi- the chicken chariot and all that. And we're on the Long Island Expressway in Long Island, New York. And I'm driving and, and whatnot, and we start to get off an exit, and he's like, oh, my gosh, the, the height is tw- no nothing over 12 foot. Well, I already knew the trailer was 13 foot 9 with the hood extension out of it. And so I'm like, okay. Mm. I'm like, so I jerk the wheel o- over the median, basically, to get back <laughs> on the highway. All of a sudden, the trailer won't go straight, you know, the whole way until we get it back to where it's, we park it in Delaware after the thing. Uh. And I bent, I literally bent both axles. I like, and, and, you know, that cost a fortune, popped a wheel mm. and, oh man, it was a disaster. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I remember what, I have to like go back to, to headquarters because one of the business adventures I had with my father and it's like I'm still his son so I'm going back with my tail tucked between my legs I just <laughs> I, I, I think I just spent about six thousand dollars in two axles and wheels but you oh, know being mobile wow. is easier it also means that um that also it's things get harder and that also the funny part is is not only the trailer got messed up and it wasn't a huge medium is that i hit the bump so hard to make sure i didn't go that way and tear off the top of the trailer that i mm-hmm. knocked some of the electrical wires off on the truck so every time we would hit a small bump the windshield wipers would start flying and like burning the rubber oh, against the thing. so i'm like okay <laughs> So, okay, I, I use up all the windshield washer fluid. We're trying to pour water on the thing, and the windshield wipers mm-hmm. are going and going and going until, okay, there's no rubber left, and they're still going. So I'm dealt with this huge thing, but a stupid thing like not making sure that I knew what the height on the bridges were as we were leaving 
the place mm-hmm. we're going to and getting off the Long Island Expressway and you know, food trucks and trailers, there's a lot of things that come with it that don't come with restaurants. Like you said, you can't just call a service person when you're broke no. down on the road uh, to, or mm-hmm. your propane isn't working or you've got a line of people that want food. They're, you know, for some reason, mobile, they think mobile is like fast food and they, they think yeah. they order and get out the door right away. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the, I, I've told my hardship of my, my chicken chariot days and, um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, there is still a love hate relationship there with the, that mobile trailer, but, um, yeah, a lot of fond memories too, but you know, what are some of the hardships you have, um, have had with it and, and the lessons you've learned from it? Um, I think the hardest thing is in, in, in employees because, you know, for some reason, it, it's kind of like a landing spot for most people. Like it's an in between. Yeah. So, you know, you, you know, you put your ad out and, you know, the people come in and you know, all gun ho, but. These are people that I always ask people, like, you ever been in a food truck before? <laughs> you know, if they say yes, then I'm like, okay, I can go on with it. And if they say no, I'll be like, uh, what's the smallest kitchen you ever, you know, worked in and how many people were in that kitchen? You know, so um, people get in thinking it's going to be easy. And, oh, you know, I could flip a burger. What's, what's wrong with flipping a burger? Oh, I could fry a chicken. But, it's continuous, you know, it's like, go, 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 go. And sometimes you're at these, these events, you know, eight hour events and you have a line with, you know, a hundred people and before you open the door and you have a, a window full of chicken and that only lasts you an hour, but you know, you're continuously frying and you're continuously, you know, making your sandwiches and, you continuously, you know, like just go, go, go it. And people just don't, you know, and then the next day, you know, they don't show up, you know, but the day, you know, when you've interviewed them, oh, I got this, you know, <laughs> and that's, that's, I, you know, that's, that's the same with restaurants, but I think uh, I've had the most turnover with just people thinking, you know, it's like an in-between job for them or, you know, they show up to the interview and, you know, like you like them or they have, come have a tryout and, and you call them back and they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm viewed at a couple other places too. Yeah. I think I'm going to get this other job. So thanks for the interview. Um, it's, it's, it's really hard. Um, uh, we, we've lucked out with, uh, you know, Nash and Proper and, and I lucked out with Cecil's Taste because uh, there, there's, a lot of people that actually believe in the the two concepts, and as soon as I told uh, my employees were, you know, there at Cecil's Taste that we're we're uh, going in the direction of the Nasher proper, they got even more excited because they they see the potential of that, and everybody that's working with us is on the ground floor. You know, like you guys could, you know, we could all see goes um we actually uh over this it's a little bit slower in december and uh january so uh, 
me and Jake actually took time to talk to each employee, you know, offsite, um, just to pick their brains and, you know, see what they needed from us, um, you know, kind of tell them the direction that we're going, um, what we needed from them. And uh, everybody, everybody's excited. Know, it's a nervous excitement because we got so much that's about to go on here starting this weekend until November, you know. So um, it was good to take the time out and kind of talk to everybody and kind of pick their brain and get some input on what to do and, you know, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, too. So um, it, it's, it's, been, it's, it's been a good winter. And we had, we had a lot of uh, uh, we had to put more fryers into everywhere. We got fryers everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I actually, and the the whole line thing is um, when we used to do trade shows for fried chicken. The amount of people that would line up for the sampling and the tasting, and it's just oh my goodness. I know we're on this health kick in the United States, and it, food like that is sort of frowned upon in that sense but i i I can't tell you in my opinion um and actually you can go anywhere that fried chicken is a staple of american culture and no one Mm -hmm. in in america has not had it or doesn't enjoy it and it's one of those things Mm -hmm. where it's it's never going to go away i don't care what you try to do to it or, or church it up or whatever it's not going to go away and you know it's like pizza you know no one's gonna ever gonna get rid of traditional pizza you know fried chicken Mm -hmm. is it's an amazing product and you know i look for deborah and i are in san francisco a lot for work because we have a commissary there but i think we'll Mm -hmm. probably look you guys up and make a trip out of sacramento into sacramento or uh fly into sacramento and drive into san francisco on a trip and try the chicken for sure because i I'm definitely interested. It sounds amazing. And um, I'm literally here. I have like so much saliva in my mouth. It's kind of unbelievable <laughs> when I, it's, it's like I'm Pavlov's dog, like the bells ringing yeah. and I'm drooling because I'm thinking about all my memories of fried chicken and, uh, and uh, Nashville hot chicken when we were in Nashville, as well as the fried chicken and the chicken chariot days. And uh, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Um, that doesn't happen to me very often where a food will actually give me a response like that. But I appreciate you being on the show for sure. And I can't tell oh, you, how, you how, how awesome it's been. So I, my final question is if you could go back to when you graduated from culinary school and then also when right before you started the business, what are some of the things you would go back and tell yourself so you wouldn't have to learn them uh, as you've made this journey? Uh, the culinary, after culinary school, I would have said to myself, take it seriously because I was in San Francisco. I was single and I partied, (laughs) I partied it up before I went to San Francisco to, I wanted to, uh, do my, uh, externship in, uh, Florida Keys. Um, and, but I stayed in San Francisco and, you know, just, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm a good enough cook. I could, you know, find my way. But I wish I would have traveled um, a lot more than, than I did um, and, and got out of California, cooked out of California. 
um, you know, went, went out of the country, did some stuff out of the country. Um, and uh, before I started uh, the food truck industry, um, probably would have told myself, um, don't get distracted. And meaning, you know, get out of your own head. Um, you're, you know, like, um, just you know, like keep, keep your head down and just keep cooking and don't let distractions, uh, get in your way. Just like when you're in culinary school, um, cause I, I, I got, there, there's a couple years there that I got really depressed uh, with just how the food truck industry was. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was like I was on the truck, you know, pretty much 24-7. And, you know, um, and I, I was like, I, I don't know what to do. You know, like, what, what am I doing with my life? I'm just a food truck operator and, you know, um, it was it, it was tough there, but but like I said, I had a I had a you know wife behind me and you know good good you know system at home and you know I had to get out of my own head and you know make it out. So um, yeah, no, I appreciate <laughs> the vulnerability for sure and and the honesty mm-hmm. and you know I can relate to that. I think in my earlier years and being an entrepreneur I, I and uh and after college i enjoyed life more than i should have and i i what i missed yeah. out because i had a fear of missing out as they say and um mm-hmm. and in yeah. that i missed a lot of opportunities or chances to grow or the things that really mattered in, in business and um i could have learned a lot more at the beginning so any young people wanting to be entrepreneurs i think that's important i saw saying the other day is I work hard now so I can play hard later. And I think a lot of people play hard now thinking that they're going to be able to play hard later, but it doesn't quite work that way because if you play too hard now, you know, you're going to have to work harder to make it up later. And, you know, that's one of the things I've learned for sure. I, I definitely enjoyed my early, mid and late twenties quite a bit. And, um, you know, I missed out on things or didn't take certain chances I should have, or missed out on, in my opinion, or didn't learn as much as I should have, because that was part of my focus. And, you know, I, we talk, Deborah and I talk about this a lot is if there's any short-term goals that get in the way of your long-term goals, you shouldn't have those short-term goals. And, um, you know, that's, that's one. And then the other thing is, is that I think a lot of entrepreneurs at the beginning or as they're figuring out life, go through that little bit of a depressive stage. I know for me as, um, and I was a little bit older, I'd been in the business world for a while and I, you know, the economy went down and we were in all sorts of businesses and some of the stuff didn't, um, you know, it just doesn't pan out the way you want it to, or your expectation is. And, you know, I was very hard on myself and it just leads to that kind of, you know, what am I doing with my life? And, and it's, yeah. you know, people call it a midlife crisis, but I think as entrepreneurs, when, when your life is in your own hands or so you feel, you know, sometimes that can be hard, but, and I agree with you, it, 
for me to get out of it, it took just listening around me and then taking other opportunities and sort of just, I don't know. It was more like I had to say, okay, this is where I am. I have to get comfortable where I am in order to get out of it. Because if I'm not comfortable with it and I'm not in the right mindset, I can't get out of this because no matter where I'm going to go, I'm going to carry this negativity and this depressed state with me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it took me a long time to figure it, figure that out. I would say a few years as well. And so I love that you said that. And, uh, you know, it's not something anyone wants to go through for sure. But the lessons no, that we gotta, learn from periods like that. I'm sorry, go ahead. You got to take, no, you got to take care of your mental health. Like, um, you know, like I, I talk, I, I talk to my psychiatrist every Monday, you know, and, you know, there's some things that you just can't put on your wife. You just can't put on your friends. You know, I, I tell people, every, you know, when they tell me, oh, you know, I'm going through this and going through that, I'm like, go talk to somebody. Yeah. You know, because there's been, for so many years, I was, you know, big guy, you know, oh, you know, but as soon as I started taking care of my mental health, everything's been going up, you know. Um, that's a that's a, that's a a big, big hurdle that a lot of people got to, you know, get they got to get out of their own way. And there's professionals out there that, what they get paid to do. Yeah, I so. agree with that 100%. I think um, mm-hmm. having a support system and having a support system outside of your immediate family um, mm-hmm. or even, you know, whatever, relative family and outside of it that really doesn't have, you know, skin in the game, if you will. I think that's huge exactly. as well. And, and I agree mm-hmm. with that. Once you get out of your own mental way as an entrepreneur, because a lot of us get in our own way because the the ambition and the drive that gets us to start these businesses or go out on our own is often not the thing that's going to make us successful in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, if we keep going that same path, we're like, well, it got me this far. Why can't it get me farther? And we sort mm-hmm. of have to go back and, and look at things and reevaluate and you know, it's hard. Sometimes we, I look at myself and I'm like, oh gosh, I, I don't really like that about myself and why am I doing it? And mm-hmm. how can I change this behavior? Because it's negative for me and it's negative for the people around me. And uh, it's certainly not good for my business. And so, you know, I think that's a big part of it as well. And I'm glad you said that. And, and really the, the authenticity there is, is it's real, right? It's what mm-hmm. every human, whether they want to admit it or not, has something they're dealing with. And they, there is options out there to go talk to, um, for sure. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be successful in business, I, I agree with you. I feel that you have to go be mentally healthy in order to, to succeed. And I also think our employees pick up on that stuff a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, Mm -hmm. they look up to us as leaders. So it makes it a little difficult when we're not taking care of ourselves and then expect them to take care of themselves and show up to work every day and and be their best when we're not being the best versions of ourselves either. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's that's exactly right. Well, what I'd like to do, Cecil, I really, I can't even tell you how much I appreciate you being on the show, but I would love to have you back on the show in a few months and uh, just because we're, we're trying to talk to the food entrepreneurs and then, you know, give 
tell the story not just once on a, on a little segment, but also mm-hmm. the progress and what we all go through and, and how we grow and sort of, you know, you know, I, Deborah and I still haven't figured out the right word from, we go back and forth. It's a, either an experiment, an experience or a project. You know, it's one of those things that we're trying to capture here, but you know, the, really what it is, is it's just the life story of how we grow, I mean, and, and follow people. And I want everyone's story to be a part of it, not just one time on the show, but sort of, you know, track things as they go through and how people grow and, and what their experiences are since the last time we talked, since we can actually show milestones where there really is no overnight success, in, in at least that I've ever seen mm-hmm. or experienced. And people put in mm-hmm. time and, and effort and they pivot and there's hardships and uh, depression and, and other things that lead to people to succeed. So I, I sort of would love to have you back on the show if you'd, if you'd like to be back on. No, oh, of course. Yeah, you know how to get to me now. All right. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. This is... <laughs> well, I, again, I thank you. And I want to make sure the audience knows that they can find you at not Nash and proper on Facebook Twitter and Instagram, as well as uh, yeah, we're w- pretty heavy on uh, Instagram. Oh, yeah, you're following on there. I'm really impressed. Actually, I love the. If anyone hasn't looked, I'm, I keep talking. But if anyone, um, if anyone's on Instagram, there's a picture of the sandwich, and uh, and it shows how it's broken down with every little piece of ingredient that's on there, mm-hmm. and the and the. <laughs> buns and the chicken and the coleslaw it's it's oh my gosh it's amazing i'll probably end up sharing that at some point <laughs> on my instagram as yeah, well and the just and food entrepreneurs instagram because that's a that's amazing i love that the the breakdown of it i think it's incredible anyway so thank they you. can reach out to you there and and um deborah and i are definitely going to come try it and i want to make sure that everyone knows that to come try your food. One of the reasons that I found you guys is because of the social media response. Um, and the, you were putting out quality content. Um, obviously you mm-hmm. have great products because the reviews were incredible and it's not, you know, you, a lot of times you'll see stuff and there's a good photo, but the reviews and people's comments don't follow or they don't have the following. And, um, mm-hmm. and you guys really do have it. So, um, you know, that's amazing. So thank you. Congrats. And thank you again. And I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm the host of Justin, the food entrepreneurs. And thank you everyone for listening in. If anyone has any questions or comments, they can reach me at justin.bizarro at gmail.com. That's B I double Z A double R O. And you can also find us on Instagram at Justin and the food entrepreneurs. Uh, thank you everyone. And I look forward to another episode.